The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. There are only two weeks left in the regular season. Well, and one more Monday Night Football game to go. Uh, The playoffs obviously coming. We're not going anywhere, so don't worry about that. We are the the SB Nation NFL show. We are obsessed with the NFL. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, search for the SB Nation NFL show. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things make us happy. You can also watch along live, whether live or in the after the moment, whenever you have time, if I could get my words together. On the SB Nation NFL YouTube page, Twitter page, or Facebook page, this is Monday Football Monday, perhaps the best show on the NFL show, if um, if you're taking our humble opinions. Rachel Prevet, as always, with some brand new Jays, is on the ones and twos. My name is RJ Ochoa, and with me, as always, he might be having a new Nespresso machine in the future. He was telling us right before we started getting going, Pete Sweeney! Pete, you don't have an Nespresso coffee this morning, obviously, uh, but maybe you will in the future. Uh, so an yeah. early congratulations to you. Um, in that respect. Yeah, my mother sent me a, a gift certificate. So shout out to my mother. And I'm going to think I, I'm thinking I'm going to buy a new coffee machine. I, the coffee machine that I have right now is it's about four years old. It just makes regular old pots of coffee. So we're we're going to upgrade in the near future. We're excited about that. Well, I'm happy for you, Pete Sweeney. Merry Christmas to you and to yours and to Rachel and to everybody. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the day after Christmas. The I always after. wonder, like, what, when do we when do we as a society like when do you stop saying that you know what i'm saying a, a, a better question is and because we'll we'll speak after the new year when is the appropriate time to stop saying like happy new year you know what i mean like is it you know like january 8th like do you get well, like a week's worth of that yeah the, the cutoff for me is january 7th that's when the tree comes down you got to move on at that that stage you get a little bit into the new year and then around january 7th january 8th it's okay let's just focus on 2023 what if you saw somebody for the first time in the new year, like no. on the ninth? No, mm-hmm. you're not giving them a happy new year. No, Just, hey. no. How's your week? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's a good way. 
good way to spin it. Yeah. Um, we have uh, this is a weird week um, here on Monday Football Monday because we technically uh-huh. only have three games yesterday to talk about. Now, last week um, we had three games on Saturday and we said, you know, we're not going to talk about those Saturday games because we only are here to talk about Sunday. If we were only here to talk about Sunday, it would be a rather depressing show because it was uh, a rather depressing day of football. Thankfully, Saturday did exist. Uh, to, to keep us all merry and bright uh, on Christmas Eve before Santa Claus got to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody knows what happened by now on Thursday night. The Jaguars took care of the Zach Wilson-led Jets. Uh, but you want to go in chronological order, P? You want to just go wherever wherever we feel makes sense? Like, what? how do you want to do this? Yeah, I, I think it probably makes sense to to start with the Saturday games just because there were so many. Very quickly on, on the Thursday night football uh, Jaguars, I I call the, the Jaguars a number 13 seed on Twitter. You know, as the day as the the weekend played out, they are now in a position for the playoffs. I think we we should talk about that very quickly. And I just think they're a team you you don't want to play in the postseason just because their record is is not up to snuff. It doesn't matter. You know, once the playoffs start, it doesn't matter if a team is seven and eight. And I just think Trevor Lawrence has been playing like a top five, top ten type of quarterback. You know, the, 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 I didn't hear I didn't hear that as a justification a week ago, but that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, so what I what I would tell you is I just. I don't think they're a team you want to play right now, and they're going to be spicy in in the uh, in the playoffs. You know, they're coming off a, a couple big wins here. RJ, you know, you know it well, and uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I just think they're a very, very under underrated storyline right now in the NFL, and they can make they can make some waves and come playoff time here. My only question is, um, you you said a thirteen seed. Did you misspeak, or did you? Um... I mean, them I, that way? I mean, like in March Madness, right? So, you, you know, okay, okay, okay. I'm, yeah. Well, I didn't know because there's technically 14 playoff teams in the NFL. <laughs> like, I didn't know if you were like ranking them no. or something or I think you know. they're that team that you, you're seeing and maybe they hit a lot of threes or something. And right, if your team, right. your blue blood team doesn't shoot well in the first half, I think suddenly, you know, that second half might be interesting. Yeah, you know, everybody always talks about the dreaded five twelve matchup, but that four mm-hmm. thirteen, mm-hmm. I mean, just just as, as sneaky if uh, if you really consider yes. it that way. Okay, sneakier if you. Uh, that's true. Okay, let's start um, then with the Christmas Eve games. We'll save Christmas Day uh, for afterwards. Pete, how how could we not talk? How could we not start here? What? The Dallas oh, Cowboys yeah. vanquished the big bad birds from the north, 40 to 34. The final score I saw, you picked the Cowboys in our SB Nation experts pick, so congratulations to you. Um, big time win for America's team. Dak Prescott continues to own the Philadelphia Eagles, as he has for the majority of his career, 27 of 35, 347 yards, three touchdowns, did have the pick six that was really gross to start the game and had just an incredible, incredible third and 30 conversion to T.Y. Hilton that was kind of the signature moment of the game. Um, I, I saw a tweet about this um, from, I'm forget, it was from a friend of the show, Dave Hellman from Fox Sports. If Patrick Mahomes converts third and 30, it's the only thing we're talking about for a week. Dak Prescott does, and it's just like the blink of an eye, gone. I don't know if that's completely true. I I think some of this 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 quarterback stuff is is crazy. Both in you know even when Kansas City people say, oh, if Josh Allen did something, and then the Buffalo people are like, oh, if Patrick Mahomes, and then the Cincinnati people are like, Joe Joe. I think it just everyone is always just looking for national coverage, and when another quarterback gets attention, they start to think, okay, my quarterback doesn't get enough attention. I think Dak probably has a better case for that than the guys I just mentioned because I don't think he is sometimes considered of the elite and I know a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans would say he should be and so maybe maybe you do have a point there this was a really interesting game you know it, it looked for a little bit like Dallas was going to lose another one of those games where the top player for the other team is out you have 
the MVP candidate and, and Jalen Hurts not playing, Gardner Minshew playing well at the beginning of this game, and then they ended up gutting it out. I, I did pick the, the Cowboys, as you said, and I think there was a temptation here because of how good the Philly defense is to, to go the other way, but I just knew how badly Dallas needed to, to win this game. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go with the, the team that has the, the real starting quarterback. And so Cowboys were able to gut it out. And, and I guess congratulations to you, RJ. This is still a pretty interesting little division here. And as we stand today, the entire division is still in, in playoff position. Yeah, despite the fact that the uh, the Giants and Commanders both lost, we'll obviously touch on that. The Commanders have lost two games in a row and remain in the playoffs, which, again, just kind of speaks to everything happening uh, within the NFC as a whole. Um, it, I, I really, you know, this was a big win for the Cowboys and an interesting loss for the Eagles. I don't think um, it changes that the fact that the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. In case anyone is unaware, they do with any win or any Cowboys loss. The Cowboys play on Thursday Night Football. We talked about that a moment ago uh, this week. So Philly could actually clinch the division without even playing another game. Um, yeah, I mean, Dallas fell down multiple scores twice in this game. They were down 10 points at two different you know, points in the game and, and stormed back. I mean, their offense was on fire. Um, if you discount the the end of each half, which was just kind of the, the kneeing it out, um, they had nine possessions in the game and the pick six happened, but the other eight they scored on. I mean, like that, they were a remarkably efficient offense against what you said is one of the better defenses in the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, as it stands in the NFC, if the teams, if, if it plays out scratch, right, where, you know, the, t- the teams that are supposed to win, win, I, I anticipate if this matchup sticks, the Cowboys visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, I think even though they're visiting, the Cowboys are going to probably be slight favorites in that game. And so you would get divisional round weekend, this rubber match where Jalen Hurts would be back, division game, playoff game, one of these games that is going to really go down, I think, in NFC East history. And I, I think everyone wants to see that. And I, I think it would be a, a, a wild uh, game and and especially when you have two division teams just because the Eagles had such a great year you could easily see the Cowboys going into Philly and, and winning so we'll see if we get that I know that it was talked about right after the game between the coaches didn't one of the coaches say to the other one we'll see again. it was uh it was Nick highlighter Sirianni. on his visor Sirianni yeah, yeah. we'll see you again and I, I think there's a good chance I think there's a good chance especially with some of the the problems that Tampa has they're just they're just a team that's that's waiting to be beat in the postseason so we'll see if we get this rubber match and really early I think in the playoffs and in the, in the divisional round potentially so uh my mentions have been filled with Eagles fans coping uh with the loss and um yeah. all sorts of people um have the take that like well this this was Jalen this is Jalen Hurts winning MVP like this is why Jalen Hurts is MVP I want to be very very clear here Jalen Hurts is an exceptional player he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL so what I'm about to say is in no way meant as a slight what what did the Eagles miss like how how does Jalen Hurts truly change this game and I I, I say that like somewhat tongue-in-cheek but again not sarcastically you mentioned it Gardner Minshew was awesome in this game, I mean, he was 24 40, 355 yards, two touchdowns, didn't have the two picks, although the J Ron curse on and both picks were just incredible plays by Cowboys defenders. Devontae Smith over 100 yards, two touchdowns, AJ Brown over 100 yards. I mean, One of, like I said, I, does does, a, does Jalen Hurts change Dallas scoring as often as they did? Um, one of the things I mean, we that's do my question is connect the whole NFL, right? So we're talking about the whole league when, when we do this show, and even just watching last night with Patrick Starr giving it to Russ Wilson, wouldn't the Denver Broncos be in just an, a lot, an enormous amount of better shape if they had Gardner Minshew as, as their quarterback? I know that's insane to say at this stage when we had the offseason that we did when it came to Russ Wilson, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Minshew, every time he gets a spot start, he shows that he's a capable, I think, starter in the NFL. I don't know if he's in the top half of the league necessarily, but, you know, one of the 32 for me, Minshew is is that guy. And you had a, a complete Eagles team on, on the other side defensively, and Cowboys were still able to drop 40. So I, I think it's a, a valid win. If you're looking for how I can't say it. Validity. validity is the word validity. they're looking for. I think if you're looking for validity, to me, this is still a valid win, even with Hurts not playing. I, I mean, it's a weird win uh, because of the fact that both teams are already in the playoffs, because of the fact that they might meet each other again, because of the Hurts factor. Like it was a weird game. Yeah. Um, it turned out to be a great game. I think one of just a you know, if you didn't have a rooting interest, I'm sure it was really entertaining to watch, kind of back and forth. Um, it's going to be really interesting to watch the Seagulls team, like how how they respond this week. Um, they've obviously only lost twice on the season. I don't know if you've seen this, Pete, right before we started recording. So, Rachel, I'm sure you'll you'll have some stuff over this over at BGN. Um, Lane Johnson left this game, obviously one of the best players on the Eagles, uh, and it was just reported that he suffered an abdominal tear, excuse me, an abdominal injury, I think it is a tear, that will knock him out for the rest of the regular season, uh, which is obviously just two more games, uh, but that it is a to-be-determined situation um, after that. So the Eagles now, it remains to be seen whether or not they will – I don't want to call it a rush, but whether or not Jalen Hurts will return this week, they have two chances to win the division. Right. Both of the, of the upcoming games for Philly are at home, um, and, and seemingly any game that they will play from this point on outside of what would be the Super Bowl will be at home. Uh, but so now they're potentially going to play the Saints on Sunday. We'll touch on New Orleans in a little bit. Uh, without Jalen Hurts, without Lane Johnson, that is a, a rough go for the Philadelphia Eagles. It, it increases the need to lock up things as soon as possible. In the in the way that it stands now, there's there's two games to play. And so you have Philly at 13 and two, Minnesota who had the the thrilling win over the Giants. They are at 12 and three. I believe Philly Philly beat Minnesota earlier in the year. So That's what, one more Philly win. would have to Philly would have to lose both games. And Minnesota to, to, would have to win both to, correct. to flip. So if they win one, because they have that tiebreaker, they will not only lock up the division. They just gotta win one game, they, will, they lock everything up. Right? They'll lock up the bye, and that would make week 17 meaningless for them. So there you go. So there's there's still something to play for. Uh and and it's interesting because you you look at, again at the scope of the NFC. If they are able to lock it up this next week with a win over the Saints, how many players do they play against the Giants who are probably going to need that week 17 win to, to stay in playoff position? Week 18. Week 18, I'm sorry, with how how the parity is at the bottom of those standings. We've been talking about this a lot on the NFC's mixtape for obvious reasons, and we'll touch on it again uh, this week, Brandon and I. Uh, but obviously, every Week 18 game is a divisional game uh, across the NFL. You mentioned that the Giants are in Philly in Week 18, and the Commanders host the Cowboys. And we'll, we'll get to Minnesota, New York right now. But because of the fact that, spoiler alert, the Giants lost, this Cowboys win, Pete, in conjunction with that, locks Dallas into the five seed right. if and when Philly clinches. So, so assuming Philly beats New Orleans uh, right. next Sunday, um, they clinch the one seed. Dallas is locked into the five. So not only is New York going to maybe win to, to get in game in week 18, but the commanders could be as well. And they could both draw Cowboys-Eagles teams um, that are obviously um, in some in, weird spots. In a meaningless game, I don't know why you're, you're playing Dak Prescott. So it, it really actually this whole circumstance in a weird way really sets up the giants and commanders in, in good position. And obviously Seahawks lions and Packers fans are, are not too thrilled about that. And last thing, while all these balls are in the air, just on the subject of that, the bucks won, we'll touch on that again as well. Uh, but because the bucks won, they can win the NFC South with, if they beat the Panthers next week, 
Mm-hmm. Um, now they are obviously, if they win the division, the four seed in the NFC. So you're looking at a at a world maybe where if the Bucks clinch and if Philly clinches, um, then both Dallas and Tampa know entering Week 18 that they're meeting each other in the wild card round. So it's not just knowing you can't improve your standing. It's literally knowing you're locked with a particular opponent set in mind. That doesn't necessarily happen um, from year to year. Can, but can you believe that we are going to be talking about a an enormous Bucks Panthers Week 17 game? Like crazy that the importance that this game is going to have in the scope. We I don't think this this thing was ever predictable when you know and it's just one of those things because of the division winner it jumps right up to that four seed it just becomes a massive massive game matt rule um is, is sitting here in the or sitting in nebraska telling us i told you we were really talented uh, <laughs> matt rule um did not wind up as the head coach of the new york giants but brian dable did they lost another one this one really hard to, to pick on the giants for pete yeah. i'm sure your dad was a little bit bummed the vikings come away thanks to a 61 yard greg joseph Field goal, 27 to 24, the final score. Minnesota gets to 12 and 3 on the season. Like you said, they they keep their current pace with regards to the fight for the one seed in the NFC. They still need some help. Uh, but this was a really, really, really impressive game from the Vikings. This was a fun game overall, back and forth. Uh, just a, a really good time, I thought. I, I, I think you were busy right now at, at this particular window, but mm-hmm. I had close eyes on this, obviously, since it had some implications for the Cowboys. Man, yeah. what a performance. Justin Jefferson was on fire. Yeah, and and you know we we get on Daniel Jones quite a bit, and I I thought he played pretty well in this game. I know he had the interception; it was the first interception in in weeks and weeks and weeks. But uh, to me, putting the Giants in a position to win this game, and they, they this was a game that it, it, it's it's just trying to keep control of of what is your playoff picture. They lost a little bit of control with this. I I think for them, and I know the no moral victory thing, but to play as well as they get, did against the Vikings and to have the circumstance that we just described going on left, like I think the Giants have, have really shown to me that they are a, a playoff team. Now, sure. you have to do it against the Indianapolis Colts, right? Like you're, if you are a playoff team. <laughs> next week, next week. You right. got to go, go rebound from this one really quickly and, and beat the Colts. And then as we were describing, it probably sets up really well for you to play an Eagles team resting a lot of starters to to lock up a playoff spot. But uh, again, a, a good effort. What do you do about a 61 yard field goal? If that misses, who knows how it goes? It's a coin flip in overtime and maybe you get this win. But I, I think the Giants are, deserve to be in the playoffs. I know we've been debating that all year long, and I, I think this is truly a, a playoff team. And kudos to the Vikings for pulling it out. What do they have, like a dozen one-score wins as part of their 12-3 and three record at this point, or 11 of them, or, or 10 of them, something like that. Um, and so the, the Vikings continue to find a way, but they they do feel very beatable as a second seed, which is weird to say. See, like I, I this to me in many ways felt like the socks for Christmas game. Like, you know, you don't want to acknowledge that you really need it. Socks, underwear, whatever, like clothes yeah. in general, like you, you just you need it. But you don't like it's something you don't want to accept. Right. And and I will say, like, I don't know that, like, there's a reason to accept that Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. But th- this game proved that, like, Daniel Jones has some talent. There, there's some talent living and lurking within Daniel Jones. Um, I thought he was wonderful in this game. Again, they lost. And so, like, that's good. Well, he lost. Who cares? Blah, blah, and And yeah. I don't know that the Giants should re-sign him. But, like, this, you know, he's made it difficult. He's, he's made it a, a matter that you have to at least think about. Um, but I understand, obviously, if the Giants want to move on, the, the overall sample size uh, works against Daniel in that way. But you mentioned it like Gardner Minshew, like D- Daniel Jones will, will not be out of the NFL. Like he will definitely have a shot. 
um, maybe, somewhere, somehow, some way in 2023. Maybe what Daniel and Saquon should do is say, look, we're a package deal. So wherever they go, they come buy one, get one. And, you know, if it's not mm. in New York, they can stick together and, and run the system somewhere else. That's true. Um, similarly, the Sox for Christmas sort of spirit. Kirk Cousins was awesome in this game, dude. Like, no, nobody will give this man any credit. People are so stuck on and married to the joke and the meme. He was incre- he was incredible as they were driving for the late game winning score. Oh man, they've only have all these one possession wins. Oh man, they're point differential. Blah blah. They have twelve wins, and I'm not like trying to like oh boom twelve wins that undoes everything, but like. When the their their fourth quarter point differential is exceptional, like for whatever reason that they, they're this wonky team, but when they have to have it, Kirk is usually nails. And I've heard a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, you know, typically when a receiver has a season like Justin Jefferson is having, the quarterback wins MVP. I know that's why I picked Kirk Cousins to win MVP. That was the logic, but people can't get past the the joke of it all. Justin Jefferson is amazing. I mean, he is. We, we, we kind of like yeah. change this every week. I, if I have to pick the best receiver in the NFL, it's him. Yeah, I think it's between him and, and Tyreek, but it's just as far as pure receiver and, and high pointing and then high pointing and landing on your feet in an athletic position to go get the yards after the catch. I, I think you're right. I think Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL. Shouldn't forget about uh, don't don't not hassling the Hawk. Hawkinson has dude sort of what a performance. Re- I mean, like that trade has worked out for them. 13 catches for 109 and, and two touchdowns. And when ask, you, ask me who started Kirk and TJ in, in his fantasy semi semifinals. Who, who started me. Kirk and TJ? That would be R to the J. I think it's been important because we, in the grand scope of the Vikings, we were wondering when Adam Thielen would taper off, and it it finally happened, right? And so I think adding Hawkinson to that mix of pass catchers for for them has, has just been enormous because you need multiple in, in the NFL nowadays because there are ways to lock down certain receivers. We weren't able to do it with Jefferson, but there are weeks where the defense is going to be good enough and you got to win with KJ Osborne and Hawkinson. And I think they're showing that they can win in multiple ways, man. It, it's been a, a, you know, I, I, in Kansas city, I sometimes call them the cardiac chiefs. I don't know what the, the verb would be for the, or the adjective would be for the Vikings, but they keep their fans on, on, on their toes each and every vivacious, week. the vivacious Vikings. That's nice. Um, and, and <laughs> you would, I think if you're a Vikings fan, you're hoping that it can be just a little bit more comfortable as you go here and look there, you know, it, it's a long shot, but they're in position to, to get the bye week as well. So it's just been a nice season for Minnesota. And I, I think you're right. I think it's a, you know, you should call it a Sox game. It's to me, this is a game where both quarterbacks probably deserve a little bit more respect than they get on a regular basis. That's well said. Okay, so the Carolina Panthers, uh, I, I mentioned I, I started Kirk and TJ in my fantasy semifinals. I went up against the Lions defense. So thank you, Carolina Panthers, who hung 37 over the Lions, 37-23, uh, the final score. This Look, the Lions have proven that they're a serious team. They're not like some flash in the pan. But this was kind of like you said, okay, Giants, now now go prove it against the Colts. Like Take care of them. Take care of business. This was a take care of business game from the Detroit Lions, and they absolutely did not. Dante yes. Foreman ran all oh and Chubba Hubbard. I mean, like the the Panthers ran everywhere against the well, Lions. This was unbelievable. This was this was the shocker of the day. Well, you have a, a team with Sam Darnold, and they trade away Christian McCaffrey, and so on and so forth. Everyone knows they changed head coaches, and then they dropped five hundred and seventy net yards in the Lions. This is why people can't get truly one hundred percent excited about Detroit because their offense is exciting, but their defense is their grand weakness and. If you're going to win in the postseason, if you're going to make a postseason, you have to be a complete football team. And the Lions defense is just coming up short. You know, it's it's very, very clear that this is going to be their Achilles heel. 
And then I, I just think that the big message with Carolina is, and that you're, I got to go back to Las Vegas slash Oakland Raiders, right? And you're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, the Las Vegas Raiders had a tumultuous, to say the least, 2021 season. Somehow, someway, interim head coach Rich Passaccia got them in the playoffs. I think they were the sixth seed, right? Now you have Steve Wilkes who takes over a disaster. You trade your best player. You don't have a quarterback. Your, your quarterback went to another team. Your quarterback is Sam Darnold, and you're one win away from being in a playoff position. Let's not overthink this and go get a, a different head coach in the offseason. Even if they aren't able to pull this off, what has been uh, a season complete turnaround for the for the Panthers. I, my, my come up of the week and really come up of the year goes to Steve Wilkes. If a, if a Good co- call. If a coach could get comeback player of the year or comeback something of the year, it would be Steve Wilkes. And like I said, look to, to Vegas. Don't go and get shiny new toy Josh McDaniels when you had your interim coach that somehow managed a complete disaster and ended up in the postseason, right? This is the easiest decision in the world, and I hope that Carolina makes the right one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's weird to, like, put him in coach of the year honors or, or conversations, but, yeah, like, you're right. Like, he, come, back, come back coach that, that right. he would get this award. And Steve Wilkes, you know, when he was hired as the head coach in Arizona, there was all the talk that, like, he was so beloved within the Panthers organization. Like, you you, you got really lucky. Like, you t- instead of, you know, you could have just gone, you know, right once, Panthers, but you went left three times. You know what I mean? So you got here. Don't mess it up. You know, focus on the future. If you wind up in this division, they do control their own fate. So you mentioned it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk Tampa in a little bit. A little bit. Uh, but Tampa, Carolina, not quite for the NFC South. I mean, it is for the Bucs, but um, – I don't know. Panthers did beat the Bucks. I mean, it is really impressive how they did not just lay down um, the way we're seeing other teams. Like you mentioned the Raiders, the Colts have just laid down and quit. I mean, like mm-hmm. it really does speak to how valuable the interim coach selection can be. Yeah. And, and I, I just think it, it it's worth also showing, like sometimes you try to write a team off and, and you know, they, they do, they do just kind of lay down. And if you're just able to get something going, you, you never know if the, the standings can, can come back to you. I think you're seeing that in both conferences at this point. That's why, you know, even if in, in the AFC, if you're the outside looking in, like the Patriots and the Jets, just continue to try to win games. And you never know what can happen in the NFL where teams fall out. And, and I just think this is one of those cases. And I, I like Carolina against Tampa. I, to me, they're just a more complete football team right now. And, and it's just so intriguing that this team that was done, forked, we're, they're changing head coaches, they're getting rid of their best player, they're getting rid of their quarterback, is now in a position to make the postseason. I will say, I mean, it kind of got away from Detroit early, and so that's a big reason for this. But we talked about all the success that Carolina had on the ground. Have you seen the box score from this game? Like, have you seen what the – so this is just it from a rushing standpoint. Detroit, Jared Goff, three attempts, 15 yards. He was their leading rusher. DeAndre Swift, four attempts, 12 yards. Jamal Williams, seven attempts, 11 yards. I mean, like, what happened? I mean, like, th- this is – this is one of those, like, and we joked about it, but, like, all last week, Cowboys fans got so triggered by the loss to Jacksonville. This is the triggering loss if you're a Lions fan. It's like, oh, man, see, like, I trusted them. I I fell for it. I can't do it. Look at that. Nothing's working now. Same old, same old Lions. Yeah, and and now they're, they're they had a nice – like real, real nice stretch going, and now the the playoffs and and the chance to break in and break out is is way up in the air, and and we'll see if they're able to do it. I, I think if they continue to win games, they have a shot here. But no. they they had a chance, dude, with with the Giants losing, the Commanders losing, the Seahawks losing. Like it was it was right. their week, and they just you know couldn't do it. And they and they got two division games left, and the Bears and Packers, and, and you know n- none of them are just uh, assumed wins. Just with with Fields and Chicago, I know the the Bills were able to take care of them, but. 
Bears were leading, leading at halftime, and then you have the Packers. And so, you know, that's a team that, that is in a position that needs to win right now. So it's two tough games. Um, you know, if I'm guessing right now, Detroit will end up being one year away, which is kind of what we thought going in. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. The Cincinnati Bengals jumped out to a 22 to nothing lead against the New England Patriots on the road against the Patriots. They had not beaten them there uh, since 1986. Uh, so it's 22 nothing at halftime. The final score 22 to 18. The Patriots made it a bit of a race, um, kind of a sloppy end of the game, not quite as sloppy as in Vegas a week ago. Uh, but the Bengals pick up another win, keep themselves alive to, to clinch the AFC North. Um, you know, in a few weeks, but. Um, so, so kind of troubling the way Cincinnati didn't hold on, but still, this was a really impressive performance. Like it, it, it looked like they were flexing all over the Patriots. Meanwhile, New England looks really lost. Everyone is really dragging Mac Jones, seemingly appropriately so. Uh, looked like he just had uh, the cheapest of cheap shots um, after an interception as the return was happening. Just a lot of people calling him the dirtiest player in the NFL. That kind of stuff. The NFL is apparently going to you know look into this and blah blah blah. Uh, but the, um, these are not good times for the new England Patriots. Yeah. And look, I think you're right. I think the, the Bengals really started out this game hot and they looked like that team that we had mentioned. Okay. Last year, they turned it on at the right time, getting hot at the right time. And then all of a sudden new England started to crawl back in this game. Right. So this was a, a game as you were describing at the beginning of it, the Cincinnati Bengals should have won like 35, six or something. And it ended up being really close and it took a fumble. The, that's what's crazy about the score, and this is why sometimes you got to go beyond the box score. The Patriots were in a position to score a touchdown and win the game. And had it not been for Ramondre Stevenson fumbling the football and Cincinnati getting it back, they they might have lost. And so, right, just got to keep your foot on the gas. Football is a weird game where sometimes a, a big lead, like they in in the NHL, they they call it the the most dangerous lead in hockey, two nothing. Sometimes when you get up early, it's said in it's said in worldwide soccer too, Pete. Two yeah, nil is what two, we're looking two for. Two nil. It's it's dangerous because you you want you have this tendency to take the, the your foot off the gas, and then the other team can kind of get some momentum going. So as bad as New England played, they were in a position to win, and it, and it took a fumble. And usually in those situations, the the better team wins, which is what we ended up seeing. But right. it could have easily went the other way. Yeah, I'll say. It's it's we're at that time of year like you know we we just talked about the Eagles a little while ago and like it's like well when, when do you rest when do, you know like th- those are people say like first world problems those are Kansas City Chiefs problems right like when when do you rest like do you take one week off two weeks off like do the bye blah you know what I mean whatever um so and I, you know look however we, you define momentum's up to you but it is a it is a difficult balance Cincinnati's right there and and we got the AFC game of the year if you want to call it that coming up with Next Cincinnati week. and Buffalo going at it and Kansas city loves it because <laughs> they, they need a, they need a Cincinnati win, which is weird to say. Um, and then on the new England side, like just one last point, it's like, you know what this team might be missing uh, an offensive coordinator. And, and if they had one and had an offensive coordinator and an offensive mind as offensive coordinator, would it be a difference of would seven and eight suddenly be eight and seven or nine and six? I tend to think so. So 
we give Bill Belichick a, a lot of respect and well-deserved, but the, the idea that he came into the season is like, I'm just going to coach all three phases. I think you're seeing the the difference between, you know, maybe a two or three more wins and what could potentially be a, a playoff berth here. Mm. Um, yeah, just um, an interesting game, but um, very, very excited for next week's Monday night. ESPN is sitting here like, we earned this. All right. Have you seen the games that we've called? All right. <laughs> we earned. You think ESPN's looking ahead? How how many times tonight during Colts Chargers? Yeah. Uh, do you think ESPN like gives the like next week on Monday Night Football you're, graphic love? You're you're gonna know by the end of Colts and Chargers what's happening next week. And you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna really know. Like really, yeah. really Bu- know. Yes. Buck and Aikman are gonna like they're gonna talk Burrow and Allen <laughs> the whole fourth quarter. The fourth tonight, quarter, so. yes. Because it, um, you would think and while the NFL is unpredictable, I mean, we 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 say that every week, but you would think that in the fourth quarter, the Chargers are going to have control. And, and it's one of those things where they can it, use the entire fourth to preview next week. Yeah, it is the Chargers. So, um, you know, we'll right. see. I mean, uh, if there's any team that is going to make this very interesting, it's it's Brandon Staley and the mighty Chargers. That's true. Uh, we might as well talk about Josh Young and the Buffalo Bills. 35 to 13 was the final score as the Bills won in Chicago. All the games looked so cold. Obviously, we had the the Arctic, you know, blast uh, crazy sequence that made it a, a super cold Christmas. But for some reason, this game looked the coldest. Like like no yeah. other game uh, looked. I saw um, in all the pregame stuff. Um, Stacey Dales from NFL Network was there, and I just I felt so badly for her. Like watching her on TV, she looked so cold it looked just unbearably cold but the bills got the win um the final score like i said pete was 35 to 13 and i don't know how much of this you're watching in the moment but like this was tough this this was a tough win for the bills josh allen i mean you know what separates him from mahomes in my mind mahomes makes mistakes i don't at all mean to imply that he is perfect the way that arrowhead pride does all right but (laughs) uh But, like, his mistakes are more understandable, right? Like, like we talked last year, like, his mistakes were sort of born out of, like, arrogance and his own yeah. skill set yeah, in yeah. a positive way. Allen's mistakes are like, what are you doing? Like, right. th- like I-, I have it's no like idea. It's like his brain stops working sometimes on these interceptions. Yeah, like, yes. I have he, – he almost let the Bears back in this game, you know, by himself. Yeah. Um, and, again, they had two, you know, scores late in the fourth quarter that, that made this look a lot prettier than it really was. This was by no means an easy win or a comfortable win for Bills fans. This is why I think the Bengals are going to beat the Bills. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But you mean I- on Monday night or in general? It, on Monday night, like next okay. week. And and the reason that's such a big deal is because the Bills would lose control of the, the bye, you know, at this stage of the game. And that's why it's, I mean, it's like a playoff game in a sense. The Bills the Bills are your Eagles, Pete. I saw you um quickly. I saw you retweet somebody who tweeted like Pete Sweeney has been telling us for a while now yeah. the Bills are due for another loss. And, and then... I try to be fair about that. Like, I, I'm not just saying that because it would be good for the Chiefs. It would be great for the Chiefs, but they are not playing these games like that dominating team we saw during the first seven weeks of the season. They're, they're, just not they're the playing same. with their food. Totally agree. They're not the same team. And and that's why, like, I just think Cincinnati's playing better right now. It's Monday night. The Chiefs played in Cincinnati. That place was rocking. It was it's going to be a tough win, win for, for the Bills to get. And especially playing like this, where, where you're, you're flirting with disaster with the Chicago Bears. The one thing I'll say, and, and, and this, is, this has to be said, Buffalo came in with a really good defensive plan. We have seen Justin Fields and what he can do on right. the ground. They had a spy in him all game. Only the seven rushes for 11 yards, 1.6 yards per attempt eliminated that. And that's going to be I was going up against Fields in my semifinal too, baby. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that's what, 
And and from a Chicago standpoint, as they lean into fields, presumably as the quarterback of the future, this guy that can really change the game. I mean, there's been times the series look like Michael Vick. They, they need to lean into Justin Fields, but he needs help. When they're spying him and eliminate him running on the ground, you need a better wide receiver to throw to than Byron Pringle. And I covered Byron Pringle for he's, he's fine, but you need you need to load up well, with even, weapons for him. Um, even then, no nobody had. I'm sorry, two people had more catches or receptions than Byron Pringle, and they were Cole Komet, so your tight end who you're dumping things off to, and David yeah. Montgomery who you're also dumping. You got to get this. You got to get more aerial if you're the Bears. You just have catchers, I, right? Because when Fields is stymied, you need to have receivers that he can to throw to that that can also be playmakers it's a one-man team at this stage and look it's the most important position hard to do you got that crossed off now you gotta you gotta load up and buffalo again they're flirting with disaster maybe they can flirt their way to the to the bye week which it seems like they desperately need but man this this next game is is really intriguing chicago and uh i'm sorry buffalo and cincinnati i'm, I'm very excited to watch what what takes place next week i'm in no way like in a you got to prove it to me buffalo you know, sort of place like the bills have proved it. Like, you know what I mean? Like anyone saying or intimating that they haven't is, is just being ridiculous at this point, but I'm with you. Like, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Like I wouldn't treat this as like an announcement game for Cincinnati. I mean, you were in the super bowl last year, right? Like, sure. you know, that, and, like, that's like, I mean, this isn't about previewing next week, but I want to see the Bengals. It's in, it's in the jungle. Walk tall. One, one team in that game has been to a super bowl in, in recent memory. And it's not Josh Allen's bills. The implications are just enormous. If you lose that game, you slide to, to number three i believe because cincinnati would then have a, a tiebreaker and so then you're playing a chargers a dolphins a, a, a new england patriots so that's two division teams we know what happened with miami going into buffalo they they almost were able to win that game i don't want to play justin herbert and with uh, presumably a, a returning joey bosa like this is huge you don't want to play that first week wild card upsets happen all the time it's just it's rare that we get a game this late in the year with just enormous, enormous implications like we're going to get uh, next Monday night. And, and that's why it's going to probably be one of the highest rated games of the year. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about if you're the Bills, the difference in losing is, is a first round bye and playing the Chargers, like you're saying, like that's just or the Dolphins, not, just depending like, on how it goes. Yeah, but like. I don't know. Like, I don't know who I think would have a better chance. Like, I think the Bills would invite a Dolphins game in both. You know, they'd be like, we beat them in the snow. You know what I mean? Like, I would. I don't. I'd like. To I don't see think you want to play like a returning Joey Bosa. And I mean, I think you'd always that's what take playing Tua over that, Justin Herbert, in my opinion. That's what. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. But yeah. because of the like the the standings in the moment. But okay. Um. But if if that all happened, Kansas City would take the first seed because Kansas City flew a little bit close to the sun, just a little bit on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks, twenty four to ten. The final score. Kadarius Tony once again. Shout out to Papa Sweeney. Got the scoring <laughs> started early on. Jarek McKinnon got in the end yeah. zone. Patrick Mahomes had an amazing touchdown run. All sorts of good times and good vibes as the Chiefs picked up their twelfth win of the season. Yeah, I think the big thing for Kansas City in this game is they had to see the defense perform a little bit better, and they did. I always say this, and and fans in KC have been a little bit panicked as the way that they've played these last few weeks where you're flirting with teams like the Broncos, Texans, and Seahawks, especially after yesterday. It should have never been a 34-28 to game against the Denver Broncos. I think we know that now. But the, the Chiefs defense played well, and they needed to against a team that they should have played well against. The offense, it started off good. There was some sludge in the middle where the, the Seahawks, Seahawks were able to muck it up, and then they were able to score a touchdown at the end. I, and this is something that I always try to tell Chiefs fans on the radio and elsewhere here is, like, if there's one 
unit that you need to see perform well to feel good about in the playoffs. It's the defense. The offense is always going to figure it out. You have Patrick Mahomes and you have a lot of weapons. They still have two weeks to put a complete effort together. I don't know if we've seen that necessarily from them in the second half, but it's a case for a lot of these teams with a lot of wins. You can point to a lot of flaws and that's how the NFL has, has drawn it up is, you know, we want teams to have a chance at every given Sunday. And so you got the Broncos coming up who are, are just in a complete oh, disaster again. Oh, like you were 34 to 28 the last time against the Broncos. This should be 40 to nothing. Chad Henney should be in in the fourth quarter. And I, I think it would be good for, for the Chiefs to show that. But uh, but yeah, look, you're able to get the win. You're 12 and three. And you're a very possible Bengals win away from not having to play on wildcard weekend. Uh, Rachel notes here for the visual audience that of Patrick Mahomes' 224 passing yards, more than half went to Travis Kelsey. It's been a minute. Um, you know, we were over here taking victory laps. Not that Mark Andrews is really closing the gap, but like I feel like it's been a month since Travis Kelsey got into the end zone. And I say that again, I have some Travis Kelsey shares in the fantasy league that I've referenced several times here. Pete, put you know, give give me some comfort because I'm I'm headed to the championship next week. I need to know that Travis Kelsey is going to show up for me as I attempt to go for title number four. You'll be fine, I think, against the the Denver Broncos, especially now that they have absolutely nothing to play for, it seems like, for the next five years. But don't, this, don't ruin our Broncos. Th- this was Kelsey with a 52-yarder a late in the game, right? So he got 113 yards, but he needed a 52-yarder to do so. They were actually doing a pretty good job. The, the, the final box score wouldn't tell you that they did a good job with Kelsey. But um, that's the that's the that's going to be the, the hump for the Chiefs, right? In, in the postseason. And this is something that they haven't been used to in recent years, because if a team was able to rough Travis Kelsey up in the, the first two yards, bracket him, double him, they would always be able to turn to Tyree kill. You're going to have to see a game where Juju Smith Schuster is going to have to, in a way, win a game for, for Kansas city. And can he be that guy? I, th- I think we've seen flashes of that. We've not seen flashes of that in a postseason situation where now it, it's going to be, um, I think the spotlight's going to be on him. Andy Reid is still having this tendency where you have Isaiah Pacheco in the middle of the game at five yards a clip, and they continue to to pass the football. And, you know, I think it this offense runs best, and it has for them in recent years. It always runs better when they're just keeping an eye on the pass-to-run ratio. It's never going to be 50-50 with Andy Reid, but it's got to be closer to, like, that 60-40 range. And sometimes they get away from the run, and they end up getting hurt by it. And especially when you have this rookie who is – good i mean he's 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 come out of the woodwork and he's a really good player for kansas city and they're just not leaning into him enough and i i think sometimes it hurts the offense well so like that's who's offensive rookie of the year garrett wilson <sighs> i guess or wait, is there someone we're not thinking of is there i mean da- the damian pierce team was kind of lost obviously the breeze hall team was kind of lost um i'm you know, maybe Chris Olave, if you want to go there. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Christian Watson's made, like, a, and especially the Packers make the playoffs. You could kind of see, like, the narrative, like, taking off around him. Um, sure. Isaiah Pacheco deserves to be in the conversation at the we, very least. I'm, I I just pulled it up for us. Garrett Wilson is the favorite, I believe, going into the weekend. And then it right. went Ken Walker, Brock Purdy. Chris, ah, Kenneth Walker. Brock Brock Purdy winning it would be ridiculous. Like, Christian I mean, Watson. I'm not trying to take away from what he's doing, but the sample size is so small. I think, I mean, it, I think it's probably Wilson or Walker. Just because yeah. of the full year. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's fine. That's fair. Um, let's move on quickly. Uh, the speaking of Mark Andrews, the Baltimore Ravens, good one out. All right. This was this was this was tough. This was tough scenes. It looked really cold here too. Uh, but somehow, some way, the Ravens won another game without Lamar Jackson. They clinched a playoff berth between the 17 to 9, the final score um over the Atlanta Falcons, the old Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan bowl. Uh, Mark Andrews was the leading receiver for the Ravens. Incidentally, three catches, 45 yards. 
Travis Kelsey at 52 on one reception. Um, just kind of a, you know, a, a do what you have to do game for the Ravens, which has kind of been their MO. And for what it's worth, next week's Ravens Steelers game, in case anybody missed this, flexed into Sunday night football. They are in Chargers Rams out back to the afternoon slot. Yeah, I, I think this is a team without their starting quarterback trying to to tread water until he gets back. And in that process, you're going to have games like this. And at the end of it, you're not really looking at how pretty it is. You don't have your starting quarterback. You you went through this at the beginning of the year, RJ. You just want to see wins. doesn't matter how it happens. And so they, they were able, as you said, to, to gut it out. No real flashy numbers here. I think it's an interesting and, and budding Atlanta Falcons team where we're going to see what Ritter is and continue to see what where, where it is. And I, I think he might be the guy for them moving forward and you know they're building toward that but to me all this was about was okay let's continue to win games if you're the the baltimore ravens and then to continue have control of the division until lamar gets back yeah um i don't have a ton to take away from this i'm i tell you what i'm really pumped for this week's primetime games this coming week you got dallas tennessee on thursday night which isn't that great of a game but i mean i've got a vested interest sunday night now we've got baltimore pittsburgh which is always great like i don't care who's playing yeah you could you could find you know 22 guys out on the street they'll play a great game because it's mike tomlin john harbaugh um i don't know what the tomlin streak is on the line too baltimore could finally end what has been oh well dude we got to get to that but like yeah, I mean, he's he can do it. And I mean, yeah. and the Ravens are already in the playoffs. He could kind of, I mean, whatever. But, uh, and then we got the Monday Night Football game that we talked about. Atlanta, we also didn't touch on Seattle much a moment ago. Like, Atlanta's kind of lost. I think Seattle's floundering. I, again, I don't want to go back there. I don't know that they make the playoffs, but like, Atlanta's in a weird spot. I'm very, I don't know that I'm more interested to see how any team handles the offseason than I am the Falcons. Like, the Falcons are really facing a fork in the road. And I don't know what the two options are, but like, they got to pick something. Do you think that, that the Falcons will, will move on from the head coach, Arthur Smith, and and try to go elsewhere? Or do you think they're they're going to lean into one more year with Smith-Ritter and, and see what you got? I mean, I don't know. It's so, like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not the biggest, like, Arthur Smith believer, but I think there are things you can believe in. And I think he's been dealt a really weird hand. Um, hey, save aging Matt Ryan. Hey, we're interested in Deshaun Watson. Now we're going to trade away Matt Ryan. We're going to give you Desmond Ritter. We got Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, Cal- the Calvin Ridley suspension. We're going to trade him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's it's been a, a lot of funk. I mean, like, yeah. I, I think, you, you know, it, it's just, it's a weird time. And the NFC South is in such a weird place. Like, you're not far away from winning that division. Like, I think it's worth, I want to call it doubling down, but giving him a third year. It's just tough when you start your head coaching tenure and, you're right. You just like don't have a reliable quarterback. And then it, mm-hmm. it, it just becomes how could you truly judge that body of work? It's it's why I always thought when Dan Quinn took over that job uh, before Arthur Smith, I thought like, well, this is what you do. Like if you're the hot guy, go somewhere with a quarterback. It's like when Mike McCarthy, when he, I don't know if you remember, he interviewed with the Panthers and the Browns at the time um, and the Cowboys. And it's like, why would you like if you're a head coach and you have like one chance, like pick the team with a franchise quarterback. You know what I, I mean? Like, it's I think just... what makes the coaching carousel really interesting this year <clears throat> is, and this news came out over the weekend and, and you, you were involved maybe in the off season more with it. It seems like McCarthy is safe now, but Sean Payton and Vic Fangio are deciding to team up that, that broke. And I think it's going to create some scenarios in the NFL where maybe an owner gave, would have given current head coach, whatever, another season. And now what it's turned into is, okay, well, we want to go get 
get that tandem. And so maybe you're I agree. a little bit a year, a year earlier. Very, very similar to McCarthy. I don't know if you remember this is a while ago now, like he had the whole, like he, he built a, a front office and a coaching staff and they mm-hmm. watched film every, you know, it's very, again, but Sean Payton's like cooler. So people like eat it up with him. But, and what, what there's going to be an owner out there that moves on a year earlier to get him. I, I just, I agree with you, but it. what makes this situation different and this takes the Falcons out of the running hypothetically is you have to trade for him. Like right, McCarthy, right. even if you were in love with him, you could just, you know, sign him to be your head coach. Like you right. have to trade for Sean Payton. And so it's like, not only are the Falcons out of the running because they're the Falcons and it's the saints, but like, what is it going to cost to get him? You know, like the, it's not just, you have to get the saints to agree. It's you have to get them to agree on a price. But speaking of the saints, uh, they are alive in the NFC South, Pete Sweeney, uh, six and nine, their final record after a win 17 to 10 over the Cleveland Browns who fall to six and nine. They have, um, you know, really just been a, a gross offensive production since Deshaun Watson returned. I don't think anybody is sad to see that he was 15 of 31 for 135 yards through an interception. Amari Cooper led the way six catches for 72 yards. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton, eight of 15 for 92 yards. That was it. Uh, it was, Where, so this was, this was a gross game for the, for both teams, but the saints got the win. Obviously the panic level right now surrounding Russell Wilson is at a 10 and the meter is broken. Where's the panic level when it comes to what Watson is at this stage? I, so like, from just a football level, right? Like Deshaun Watson. Yes, led the yeah, yeah. NFL. That's what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. But I, I'm, I'm yeah. asking a question. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson led the NFL in passing in 2020. Right? Is that correct with the Texans? Because he missed all last season. Um, so he he led the NFL in passing in yeah. 2020. Like I did not find that to be like a, again, just talking football here, like a, an incredible season. Like the the way that that stat is like thrown out, people. Well, he led the NFL in passing. You know who else once led the NFL in passing? Houston Texans quarterback Matt Schaub. Right. Like that isn't necessarily like the most indicative thing of all things. And I remember after that 2020 season ended, there was this um, this clip of Deshaun and JJ Watt walking off the field together after the regular season. Well, obviously their season ended. And JJ said, I'm sorry, we wasted one of your years. And it was just like the most JJ Watt thing of all time. Right. And they were so bad. Like, you know, and the Texans, again, from just a football operation, have had a lot of things going on for a long time. But Deshaun is not somebody who has elevated them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or or did elevate them. And so, like, again, I hate to make this just about football because everything else should be mentioned. But, like, I did not think he was a player worth even just the draft capital that was associated with acquiring him, let alone, obviously, all of the um, – guaranteed again, contract. Yeah, like, it, it yeah. is – this was a re- – you're, you're, this is such a great point, Pete. Like, everyone is, is taking turns bagging on Russell Wilson. The Browns are just as lost, and they're awful people on top of that. Right. I, you know, as, we, as, as much as we make fun of Russ, he did not have the off-the-field situation that Deshaun and had. Just, just to, like – just to add to your point, as much as to make fun of Russ, by all measures, he's a wonderful human being. Like, he's not only not a terrible person, but by all measures, he is a wonderful human being. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far with Russ. I just, I just. Okay, fine. You get the point. But but yes, he he is not Deshaun Watson in the off the field stuff, for sure. But by far. And, and look, you not only signed up for this, you've made a lot of fans in your organization sort of try to find other teams to root for in this way it's not every browns fan but some of the more passionate brown fans are still fine with this um, but it 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 paints you a 2023 now that you're at six and nine your season's over it paints you a, a scenario where it's like this if you risked all that dignity money everything right you know like it has to work and i i just don't think that that is even close to rock solid at this stage and so you got to be a little bit panicked if you're cleveland 
I don't know how you're not. I don't know how Kevin Stefanski can feel 100% safe either. Like, this has been a weird yeah. season for them. Um, the Saints need the most help of the non-Falcons yeah. teams in the NFC South. Um, they, they can still win it, but, but things have to go exactly their way. Um, I'm so interested to see what they do. Like, yeah. does Sean Payton return? Like, but whatever. That's a, right. a conversation for another day. Let's keep moving. Um, speaking of Houston, we've had some, some nice kind of segues here. They picked up their second win of the season. Played the Cowboys tough. Played the Texans tough. Excuse me, played the Chiefs tough. So guess what, Titans? You're next. The Tennessee <laughs> Titans fell to the Houston Texans um, in, in just a, a rough game for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, obviously, done for the season. Malik Willis uh, threw the ball more than five times. Uh, was 14 of 23 for 99 yards, two interceptions. Derrick Henry did have a successful day against the Texans. He had 23 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll, that weird combination, kind of did just enough for Houston. And so everything's coming up Houston, Pete. Um, again, <laughs> you, football, you football wise. You can't they, they, you can't let a team with two quarterbacks beat you. You just can't. I, I agree with that, even though our teams almost just did that. Yes. Um, but um Houston Houston can feel really good about themselves as a football team based on the month of December, right? Hey, hung with the Cowboys, hung with the Chiefs, beat the Titans. They're still gonna get the number one overall pick. Things are good for the Texans. It, yeah, this whole game, I mean it's a seat that Texans gonna win. I know when you're a fan of these teams that are having the complete year being thrown away, you get a little bit nervous when you start to win games at the end because it can really impact your future. We we're seeing it in Jacksonville and New York. We've talked about that on this podcast before. This is more about the Titans and losing control of the playoffs, <clears throat> and it, and that team now being Jacksonville, and it just leaves you wondering. Okay, this is a team that bet on itself in a sense of trading AJ Brown away, and now you're looking about uh, at being outside the postseason. So I just wonder about the long term implications of this and don't forget this is also a team that got rid of their general manager in the middle of the year so what does it mean for for mike variable if this team finds itself on the outside looking in um this was a weird loss for tennessee in that it's a loss and it's frustrating but it kind of sets them up in a nice yeah. spot and obviously i've got some eyes on this because they they host the cowboys on thursday so regardless of what happens with the titans this week um, not just within their own game, but with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Nothing can really change. They are going to play a title game against the Jaguars in Week 18 for the AFC South. Probably Sunday Night Football, right? We both think I mean, it would have to be. I would believe. Yes. I I asked um, Stats and BLG this. Um, can you remember the last Sunday Night game or the last non Thursday Night primetime game in Jacksonville? Because that game is in Duval County. It, ha it would have had to have been that year that they went to the AFC title game, right? With but I, I don't Ramsey. even think they played in – like, I don't think they got flexed to anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're definitely not getting scheduled for Sunday Night Football. Um, so, it's just – it's going to be kind of cool, you know what I mean, to see the Jaguars and Titans. But because of that, um, the Titans – so, the Titans have an advantage over the Jaguars in that they play on Thursday. The Jaguars play on Sunday this coming week. So, if you're the Titans, Pete, you're Mike Vrabel. Your job's kind of on the line now. Your GM's gone. Do you not punt on Thursday night and say, you know what, dude, we got to rest. We got a division title game next week. We don't need to be wasting it. We don't need to be wasting Derrick Henry against the Cowboys in a meaningless game. Yeah, I actually was able to pull this up quick in that year that they went to the AFC title. They didn't have a primetime game. It looks like, which is crazy to say uh, I would punt. Yeah, I um, yeah, I would punt on it. I think that there's no um, there's no moral victory to at this stage you got to do whatever it takes to make the postseason and i would rest whoever needs to be rested it's one of those scenarios 
And you see this with week 18 slash week 17 in previous years all the time. If it, if a player is not 100%, he should not be playing. If it, like, even if it's 95%, right, right. you rest that player. And I, I think you go into it like that. Yeah. Uh, we have five games left, so let's step on the gas a little bit. The San Francisco 49ers also still have a chance for the number one seed in the NFC because they kept pace themselves 37 to 20, the final score against the Washington Commanders. Uh, we talked a lot of fantasy. Well, I did. Uh, George Kittle, six catches, a buck 20, and two touchdowns. Didn't matter that I was going up against him because everything else <laughs> went my way. Uh, but I hope if you listening had him on your team that you came out on top. Uh, Brock Purdy, 15 of 22, 234 yards, two touchdowns and a pick there was this weird like the commanders may turn to Carson Wentz you know energy entering this game and they did um I don't know why I I, I don't know, know what Washington's either. thinking at this point no I don't know why I don't know why either I mean you you know you know what you have in Carson Wentz you can't you can't and, and it's not like you're you're the Falcons right like you're just like trying to stay cute you're a playoff team quit messing with things yeah, and now it creates that scenario. Like it's exactly where you don't want to be when you're in a playoff position because there's going to be questions all week about who's going to start, you know, which direction you're going to go in, and and on the other side, San Francisco just keeps keeps rolling. It's been really impressive, I, I think, especially in in this stage of where the NFL is at to be so reliant on your defense and be that being your identity in in 2022 of a team that nobody wants to play in the the NFC playoffs. Purdy is doing enough. It feels very much like. The last time they went to the Super Bowl, where you are, how'd that go, Pete? How'd that go? It it didn't go great for San Fran once they they got to the final second half of that game. Um, the, there's only one second half. The, do, we have, <laughs> second do, we, half. do we have do we have time to run Wasp? Uh, they that the, there was too much time to to run Wasp. We know how it how it ended, but for them to make the Super Bowl, it just was a really and it just reminds me a lot of that team. And you're getting the ball quickly into the hands of your playmakers. You let them do their thing and the defense takes care of the rest and so it's a it's a very scary team to play i think uh you know you, you can speak to this i don't i don't think you want to play the san francisco 49ers in the playoffs i am more afraid of them than i am the philadelphia eagles certainly without question um just they they are very scary um we talked offensive rookie of the year um i, I mean defensive player of the year is nick bosa like My, micah yeah. parsons had a chance was in the conversation but nick has separated himself over the last few weeks like it is nick bosa's uh award to lose at this point Pete had a sneeze. Sorry. Yes, sorry. I had to I had to sneeze. Yeah. And um that's a really impressive, I think, for Bosa just because because uh you would have said at the middle of the year I would bet my life savings that it would be Parsons. So it's just been a, a late search. I would there. bet your life savings, not mine. Well, that Nespresso machine, baby. Well, yeah. That's all I that's all I have my name to at this stage, is that Nespresso. So um Christmas Eve night. Uh the Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about this a little while ago. Miracle. Uh kept Kept hope alive for Mike Tomlin uh, finishing is... above 500. They weren't the in Raiders. the red zone before the last drive. This was really cool. Like this, this was not a great game by any stretch. 13 to 10, the, the final score. This was just really cool to watch. Um, and I think the broadcast handled, unfortunately, the Franco Harris uh, jersey retirement really poorly. Um, they really didn't let us see any of it, which was just really frustrating. But obviously an emotionally charged night for the Steelers. Uh, but with Franco passing away last week playing for themselves like if there's a team i said this on the look ahead like if there's a team that history matters to it's the steelers like like and it, i'm not saying it matters zero percent to other teams or other players but nobody buys in the way that mike tomlin's pittsburgh steelers do and they did it again they're still alive in the playoffs they're still alive to keep mike tomlin's streak going what a cool fun win to watch yeah i, I just think like 
you see games like last night where the team is looking at Russ and looking at Nathaniel Hackett, and you just see that there's just such little belief. And Mike Tomlin is the opposite of that, right? It's right. the other end of the spectrum where the team could be starting Mitch Trubisky and then starting a rookie. And, uh, you know, and it's, you, and it's like Michael find a way, right? Totally agree. And, and I, you know, I'd go as far as like, and, and you know, Andy Reid is getting older and, and, if the chiefs were to ever move on from Andy Reid, it's, it's like who, you know, if you had to pick a current head coach, who would you want? I think a lot of people might say Bill Belichick, right. Cause he's the greatest coach of all time, but I don't know. Mike Tomlin for me is right there. And we, we've talked about it several times on the show of just like, I don't think he gets enough respect as one of the top coaches in the NFL. Like I, you could make an, I, I would probably take Reid or Belichick, but you can make an argument to me and say, no, I want Mike Tomlin. And I, you know, I wouldn't blame you for that. And so I just don't think he gets enough credit there uh and yeah i mean that this was a game where they weren't really playing particularly well but they stayed in it defensively the raiders are are just their car cannot play in the cold it's just it's it's comical at this point and you know they believed and they were able to get it done at the, the last second here and kudos to the franchise for what it meant 50th anniversary of the immaculate reception and right just very cool very cool moment here um for a team that uh is still trying to keep that tomlin streak of good ball alive and like, it, right those, there those those things are so like meaningless to other teams even that kind of stuff right like oh like i don't mean a, this to be a shot at the chiefs but like patrick Mahomes has never lost a game in september or whatever like that you know what i'm saying like like i fully buy in that this type of stuff matters to the pittsburgh steelers like it's just a, a, yeah. a different team and, and like mike tomlin again like so it's it's weird how underrated he is this is his 16th nfl season do you know how old he is because i had to double check this do you know how old he is um i would guess 47 he is 50 years old and he is finishing his 16th season as the head coach of one of the not just an nfl team one of the nfl's tiffany brands i mean like just Mm -hmm. an incredible run that they have had that's the sealer show thing is they don't have a lot of head coaches in their franchise history they they get that right and they got this one right and i don't see the tomlin reign as the head coach ending anytime soon Let's um, do Christmas Day in order. The Green Bay Packers outlasted the Miami Dolphins 26 to 20. And the weird part about this kind of stuff, Pete, is when this happens, you look at the records and it's like, well, the Packers are 7-8 and you feel like, man, they stink. I can't believe they beat the really good Dolphins. Dolphins are 8-7. and seven. <laughs> One game separates these two teams now because the Packers just will not go away. Bad day for, for two and on. Uh, the oh. interceptions were horrible. I mean, they were horrible, horrible picks. and They are... I think we like nobody has wanted to admit this. They are losing steam. The Dolphins, like they, they are really, big really time, losing steam. Big time. It's it's hard for me to think that that this team is not going to fall out at this stage. They need but, a. But a, who who's who's leaping them? I'm sorry, not to interrupt. Maybe the Steelers would be because like, do you think the Patriots, the Jets, the Titans are catching the the Dolphins in the AFC playoff race? Well, they have the Patriots and and Jets left, and I, I mean that that game to me when you're going into New England with the way the Dolphins are playing and the way Tua is playing against the Patriots defense, do we are we really sure they're going to win that game? And then suddenly, yes. I don't know, right? I, I think New England becomes interesting. New York becomes interesting. Who has them the week after? You know, I, this is an eight and seventeen that I could really easily see going eight and nine at this stage with the way that they play this game. Um, I do think that Tua has opened the the questions back. Like it, you do wonder. Yes. You know, like what I this is a weird way to put it, but like, is this a, a Rams Jared Goff thing? Like you move on from the quarterback yeah. who's kept you kind of competitive and, and, and in pursuit of somebody even better. And like, who is that someone better? I mean, like, it's hard to envision that right now. No, I, I think it's still going to be Tua, but he's got to. I mean, th- these two weeks are huge for him like because 
if you fall off and you end up losing these last two games and you're out of the postseason, it is going to be a question heading into next year. And I think you can solidify that. Like same thing in the, on the other side with with Daniel Jones in the NFC. If you make the playoffs, I think you have a stronger you know, case to to be the guy continued. But what you have in front of both of these teams, Dolphins and the the Giants, are are the quarterback needs to to win to and make the postseason to feel like they're going to have a, a safe scenario in the offseason and job. And then the Packers could just continue to to stay alive on the other side. I, I mean, it, it seemed like hope was was gone for them, and they just continue to win. Um, I'm so interested to watch the Packers kind of figure this out. I mean, I I don't believe in them. Like uh, the Packers and Bucks, I don't believe in whatsoever. But I do not want to play them in the playoffs. Like I just want nothing to do with that. Um, we have talked about it enough uh, already. So let's go ahead and do it. The Rams blasted the Broncos, so fifty-one to 14 this was the nickelodeon game uh, i believe baker mayfield was the mvp um patrick star on the nickelodeon yeah. broadcast roasted russell wilson uh, i know mark wrote about that at sbnation.com dude this is like this is this is like again it, it's only football related like you talked about with you know the browns like so it's just this is just football but like that's obviously what people care about like this is the bad place like there, there's there's like i don't know how it gets like it's impossible for it to get worse it's somehow some way the broncos keep finding a way I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do because of that contract. Like you saw a lot of Broncos Twitter going online last night and, and being like, we need to move on. And like sometimes fans are emotional and passionate and, and you say, okay, let everyone just relax. Right. We, you, you don't necessarily, but this is valid. This is valid. I don't know how, and it's crazy to say this with more than $100 million cap dead cap hit, but I don't know how you start them next year. He's done. I don't know how you start him on Sunday. Yeah, like, I, he's, done. <laughs> he, he, he's done. And and it's it's the worst trade in NFL history. It really is because of the signing, the, the money. The Herschel Walker trade is still worse. But it's, I don't know. I, 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 I we're, we're getting to the point of that being a conversation. It's it's the worst trade in modern NFL history, right? Because that, that was a different time. You know what sure. I mean? So I think that's fair. And it's not but even like, close. Like if you, you take the Walker trade out. Let's just right, it's nothing. not even close. I mean, there's nothing like, close to this. The the crazy part about that is like it, there's universal agreement on what you said, especially if, like with the outlier. Yes. And and like we're not even like one whole season through. You're like it didn't even take a whole season for that to become like universally accepted by people. You know, it's just it is astounding. And like I really like the Broncos. Like I, I like the Broncos are in the like you know we all have the box of teams that aren't like affiliated with our teams that we just kind of like. You know I, I like the Broncos. I like the energy. I like the history. I like the colors. Like every I like the, I want to like the Broncos. We're, Man, I'm, like, I'm probably on the other side of that. Understand? No, no, no. I, yes. I recognize yes. that. I, yes. I think the Eagles are kind of in your box, which is why like we're such great fools with one another. Um, <laughs> but um, like I and I don't mean to like attack the article, but I read an article uh, recapping this game in the Athletic. And it was it was about can Peyton Manning save the Broncos? And it was like the the Broncos have to involve Peyton Manning. It's no, quit chasing this. Like quit like stars. Like you can't just like recapture magic. Like the Broncos are pure and total this nostalgia. This one's all, for Peyton. I mean, like when are they going to say that? Like you know? just just do the work. You know what I mean? Like and the Broncos are so afraid to do the work that every other NFL team seemingly for the most part is committed to doing like you cannot just keep the good times rolling the good times and find new good times. This is so bad. They give are me, so down. Give me, I don't know. Give me Jimmy G or Gardner Minshew or Tom Brady. So give me someone on this team. I just want to see the team with a, a decent quarterback. We thought in the off season, they had finally gotten one. 
they don't have one and they're just locked in to all that. I, I just, this is, we've never seen a scenario like this in an, in off in like off season, modern off season history. I don't know what they do. It's going to be fascinating to watch in the off season. It's going to be fascinating to watch how Russell handles like the public side of this. Like if, if somebody like, if it is a Minshew or whatever that is brought in for competition, like how he handles that, you know what I mean? Like it's not just, well, I'm telling you, like, it's not going to be well, but you know, like it, what makes it so interesting is that like you meant, like you said to and on, like, you know, people bag on Tua, but like there are the like Tua loyalists, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? There are people who will like stand up and fight for Tua. Like, who is doing that for us? Nobody. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what what fans are like, no, guys, like, did you see Cortland Sutton? Like, there's nobody. You know what I mean? This dude is on an island right now. From what I saw on Twitter, and you got to be careful with Twitter because sometimes it's squeaky wheel. You see this in every fan base. You got to think that 95% of fans are are on board. Really? Like, really? Which is wild just wild. I, I think the reason for that is it's not just that he's bad he has made them into a joke you know yes. what i mean with his like it, it, like there his pun- his you, his you, persona and it's not just like his persona but his you could call it arrogance like his arrogance made them into a joke he set them up to not just be bad but to be a punchline and there's a difference between being bad and being the laughing stock of the nfl there's a true argument that denver is in the worst situation in the nfl really really i mean what do you, what do you mean an argument like who who's close <laughs> I mean, I would say we we discussed it, but Cleveland. Well, that's a pretty extenuating circumstance, right? Sure. Like, obviously, but, but, but that's so it. like <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean, I would argue now that I think like so. While the trade was really bad, at the very least, like on paper, it made sense, right? Like it just collapsed. But like the New Orleans trade was worse. Like, wh- why did New Orleans give up their first round pick? Like, New Orleans is in a tough spot from a you know offseason standpoint as well. But New Orleans um, too is. They they're ca- they're a little cap. They, they, I also they feel up like cap a little bit. what are you going to do if you move on from Nathaniel Hackett? Like who wants to be who wants this? Like who you know like you like you're, you're kind of call Dan Quinn back. You know what I mean? Like I'll, we didn't even touch on the Rams, but like cool, you blew up. I think I, you got to cut your losses. I know it sounds crazy with how much money they're paying him. I think you got to just cut him. I I know it sounds nuts. I'd be, well, cut Russ. You're, you're saying yeah because who you're right who like which coach which man is going to come into the situation i know that everyone wants to be a, a head coach and i know that that's what all these coordinators and assistants are working toward i would not take this job i it, you're set up for complete failure if russ is the quarterback my prediction right now if russell is on the roster um the broncos are the last team to fill their head coaching vacancy like we, we don't know how many vacancies there will be, but right now there are two with the Panthers and the Colts. So like say say that number ends up being eight. Usually right? around and, seven or eight, yes. Right. So say the seven or eight, if the Broncos are one of them, they are the last team to fill it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. I, I can't disagree. Uh final game. Uh the Bucks pulled one out, <laughs> I guess, against the Trace McSorley led Arizona Cardinals. Uh I tweeted this out. This game made me like football less. Uh, 19 to 16, the final score. This was just gross. I mean, like, who went? Oh, went to overtime. Oh, man. I'm like, what? Like, this this was lame. But the Bucks now have the leg up in the NFC South. Yeah. Um, this is it for Tom Brady in Tampa. I'm wondering if he plays there or he plays again next year anywhere. But this is it. Uh, this is, you know, the last run here. And I, I don't I don't have a easy time feeling like Tampa's definitely going to be Carolina. And so we'll see like th- this is they're in real danger here. They're in the danger zone. They they barely got out of this game. And you just wonder what that means for next week and beyond. I tell you what though, like I agree with you 100%. I still don't want the Cowboys to visit them in, in the wild card round. Like I'm still not a fan of that. You know what I mean? Like just Well, you don't you don't, don't you don't want to play Rodgers or Brady under any circumstances. I don't 
I don't blame you for that because there is a there is the magic of the postseason, right? And so you know you you end up seeing what happens here. But um, yeah, I don't believe in Tampa anymore, and and I wouldn't be stunned if Carolina somehow manages to get in, which would be the story of the year. You know, we talked about the come up of the week. But mm-hmm. This would be the it would be the story of the NFL season is Carolina. It'd be back to back years that uh, teams who fire their head coaches mid season. Yep. Um, <laughs> although you know, it wasn't like the Raiders fired John Gruden because they just because they were bad. You know what I mean? Like obviously there were some different circumstances there as well. All right, Rachel, please grace us with your presence. Uh, well, first of all, I'm taking the Chargers, Pete. You're taking Chargers Colts. Chargers tonight for me. Okay, Rachel, Chargers Colts. Your favorite things that we said. Your thoughts on the week, and of course, MFW MVP. Chargers, easy. Um, my <laughs> biggest takeaways from this week, you guys already touched on Nick Bosa, him. There's so many impressive defensive players, but he's him. I mean, you got to give it to him. Uh, mm. Also, poor Justin Fields. Like, he only rushed for 11 yards, uh, which yes. is like his lowest of the season. So oh, that. I mean, we didn't even touch on that. Well, that's why you're the why you're the best racial. <laughs> so that was kind of sad. Um, points that I loved. Um, Pete, I loved your come up of the week this week. That was phenomenal. Um, I also loved the conversation starter that you presented when you were talking about a uh, panic level when it comes to Watson. Yeah, yeah. Um, RJ, I loved your points about the triggering loss for the Lions. I also loved your point about Daniel Jones and how he's made things like super, super difficult in this position. And I also, my favorite point was what separates Josh Allen from uh, Patrick Mahomes and like the mistakes. So I'm going to give it to RJ today. RJ, you know, some people... Some people are saying, Pete, that I am the Patrick Mahomes of Monday Football Monday, and you were the Josh Allen of Monday Football. Whoa. I, I, I wouldn't go back and, and look. I'm not, I wouldn't go back and do some research here, but I, I don't know for sure. RJ's been on quite an MF double MVP slump, so sometimes you you got to tip your cap, and, and I'm glad that, that he's able to get out of this rut. And so, uh, uh, congratulations to you, RJ. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, and so you know, good for you. You know, I want to thank Rachel first and foremost, um, and second and second most, and third and third most. Uh, but after Rachel first, second, and third, I want to thank you, Pete, making it a race. Yes. I want to thank Patrick Mahomes for being so great and allowing me to shine, um, you know, light on that. Uh, sure. I want to thank the Cowboys for beating the Eagles and ruining Christmas for Philadelphia fans. Um, I want to thank the Ravens, our Ravens, Rachel, for um, being great as always. Um, and you, you, uh, you, I, I want you refused to lose today, and and, and <laughs> I really did. I appreciate that. I would like Pete to, as we leave, give us the heartiest of ho ho hoes as you can. Like I'm, I'm talking like Santa, you know, putting a cap yeah. on Christmas. You know, put put the decorations in the attic on next year. Okay, wait, I wasn't done. So now let's do it one more time. Here we go. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas. I'll see you next week. And happy holidays. Happy holidays as well, too, our Jewish friend. And go Cowboys.